Hi, my name is Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas and I'm the minister at Richmond Uniting Church and you are welcome here. You're welcome if you're part of the Richmond Uniting Church community or if you connect with us occasionally or if this is the very first time that you've joined us in online audio worship. And you're welcome here wherever you are on your faith and doubt journey. It's not binary. We're often a messy mixture of the two. As we say each week at Richmond Uniting Church, you're welcome here. Please participate as much or as little as you feel able. And we say this because we know that God longs to meet us as we are, not as we think we should be. In this audio worship, there is the invitation to participate. So at various points, there are silences and I haven't lost my place. I'm inviting us all, you and me, into prayer in those silences. And if at any point, in addition to those pauses, you feel like you you need more time to pray or journal or make art or discuss what you're hearing, feel welcome to pause the recording and do that deeper work and then come back to the recording. You may like to light a candle if you're at home or if you are out in nature, you might like just to take a moment to stop and to take some deeper breaths to become present to your surroundings, to your own body and to the one who dreamt us into being and delights in us. So invite us all wherever we are to take a moment to arrive, to take some deeper breaths. to get our feet on the ground Jesus speaks of Holy Spirit as ruah, breath, wind so as you breathe in and I invite you to breathe in more deeply and more slowly you may like to imagine breathing in the presence of Holy Spirit filling your very body And as you breathe out of the presence of Holy Spirit filling the space wherever you are. Let's continue to pray. Holy One, Sacred Three, you in whom we live and move and have our being, we praise you. God, our parent, our source and our homecoming, we praise you. Jesus, love disclosed in person, we praise you. Spirit, holy birther of truth and freedom, we praise you. Holy One, sacred three, blessed Trinity, we are still before you.
please meet us here this day. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. As we gather today, we honour the people of the Kulin Nation, the Wurundjeri people where Richmond Uniting Church is located. We honour elders past and present and emerging. And we acknowledge that land has never been ceded. We also acknowledge elders from across lands where people are gathering with us in worship this day. And we all join our yearnings to the yearnings of God for there to be justice and truth and healing. This is the fourth Sunday in Advent and in some places there'll be an Advent wreath, a candle for each week. And we've explored themes of of peace and hope and joy and today is the fourth candle and the theme is love so the music suggestion and you'll find these on the website richmond.unitingchurch.org.au is this hymn written in the 1800s by a woman it's by Christina Rossetti and for those who love art and particularly the arts and craft movement you may know a little about Christina and the words are very beautiful love came down at Christmas Love of a lovely love divine. So I hope you enjoy this hymn. We're going to have our readings now. And the first is from Psalm 89. Just before I read it, I want to highlight that this is an ancient sacred Jewish text, which is clearly um, part of Christian tradition as well. But think about what kind of imaging of Messiah it holds of the coming one um, the son of David and then think about how Jesus is recorded as being they're quite contrasting and I think we need to hold that tension and acknowledge that tension that Jesus disrupts expectations particularly about how to treat enemies because in Jesus we discover the one who doesn't smash enemies but instead responds in non-retaliation so could smash back even when they're heaping on violence and Jesus chooses not to do that but even forgives and calls us into love of enemies but then does this love of enemies so there's a tension here but this let's lean in and hear it it's Psalm 89 verses 1 to 4 and then 19 to 26 I will sing of your steadfast love O Lord forever with my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I've made a covenant with my chosen one. I've sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Then you spoke in a vision to your faithful one and said, I have set the crown on one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David. With my holy oil I have anointed him. My hand shall always remain with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and steadfast love shall be with him. And in my name his horn shall be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I'm quite 
excited to bring you the gospel reading. We're jumping over to Luke just to hear about uh, the very beginnings of Jesus' story. And the reason that we don't stay in Mark, because we're in the year of Mark, is because the author of Mark says nothing at all about Jesus' birth uh, or his beginnings, his growing up, nothing at all, nor does John's gospel. I think this is really important to remember. But in Luke and in Matthew, we get accounts and they contrast significantly. Uh, But we're going to hear Luke's today. The lectionary actually invites us to stop halfway through the action and I just think that's crazy. So we're going to hear from Luke chapter 1 starting at verses 26 and going right through to 55, 56 towards the end there because it's meant to be read as a whole narrative and so much damage can be done when we just pick and choose little bits of it out and also we can just lose the treasure. Before I read it though I just want to Uh, honor and acknowledge those people who are grieving that they have not had babies or grieving the loss of babies or children. It can be really hard hearing these stories of women who are suddenly able to have babies when that's not been your journey. Hard for the women, hard for partners as well. So let's not pretend, let's just honor that grief and Please be assured that the God of our faith is the one who weeps with us when we weep. So I hope and pray that there can be some kind of new life that emerges, but honouring the grief, honouring the loss, utterly. So this is Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name is Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. For these words of faith and Jesus the Word, thanks be to God. Invite us into a moment of prayer and then we're going to dive into these ancient texts. Tender God, Please, through alchemy of Holy Spirit, break open these ancient words for us. Guide my speaking and all of our listening and speaking, all of our reflecting, that we may hear your word to each one of us this day and have the courage to respond. Through Jesus, the living word, we pray. Amen. So I wonder how you react to the story of the angel and Mary and this miraculous conception of Jesus. For some people, this is a bridge too far, a story that makes Christianity impossible to take seriously. For others, they point out that this imagery of a miraculous birth is very common in the common era. It occurs at quite a lot in Greco-Roman myths. There are stories of virgin births and various gods. And so it's argued that the author of Luke and the author of Matthew do some cultural appropriation here. Take this theme of miraculous birth from other traditions and try to try and bolster up their own story about Jesus. In another direction, other people emphasize that this story of Mary and also the birth story that focuses on Elizabeth are actually following ancient patterns in sacred Jewish texts in which there are stories of faithful women collaborating with God, women who have been unable to have babies who are then able to give birth through God's grace. Stories of Hannah and Sarah are examples of these. Well, the thing is, it's not like an either-or issue, I don't think. I don't think we can argue with any clarity about what was going on for these authors. It can be true that the author of Luke and the author of Matthew uh, was influenced by Jewish traditions and also Greek and Roman traditions, possibly also oral traditions, we don't know. But I actually think we miss the point when we focus only on this one aspect of the story when we focus only about Mary's sexual status and discuss this. Because there is more at stake in these sacred Christian stories. 
It's actually far more interesting and far more challenging when we don't just get trapped in some kind of circular debate about what happened and where it came from. There's so much more. Let's not reduce Mary simply to the question of her sexual activity or inactivity. Because what these accounts proclaim, it is a, what these accounts proclaim is a disruption of patriarchy and privilege. This is the thing that we're called to attend to. In a world in which women are considered to be the property of men in the common era, when if a woman is sexually attacked or assaulted, it is seen as an attack on another man's property. In a world in which women's voices were not respected on equal terms with men, in legal contexts, in religious contexts, in terms of property rights, in a world in which women's voices were constantly ignored or silenced. Here in this text in Luke, we get whole scenes about women and between women. We get to hear women's thoughts and their conversations and their theology. This, my friends, is momentous. And even more than that, in these accounts, these faithful, brave and derided women, Mary and Elizabeth, are the ones God chooses to collaborate with. Here, God is working on the edges. And this is where there is a really strong current with the ancient sacred texts of Jewish tradition. Here, God is birthing something new, literally and metaphorically, with those considered the least the least important, the least significant. Those whose society says it's acceptable to own and to discard and to ignore and to silence. Not only in Luke's Gospel does God choose to work with these women, Mary and Elizabeth, the fact that in this text we get to hear accounts of these women's thoughts and their theology as they encounter God as though they actually deserve attention, that this is content that is worthy of consideration. This is astounding in this first century text. Even if the text and the conversations are constructed by male authors, the fact that they even make it into the text and are given airspace is astounding. Goodness knows why the lectionary would choose to ignore the part of the story where Mary and Elizabeth meet and their conversation, when it's one of the few women-focused texts in the Second Testament. One wonders about the conscious or subconscious bias going on in that choice. And that's why I thought it was so important that we heard it today, heard the whole section of this text today. Because here in this passage we get to hear Elizabeth doing embodied theological reflection. We get to hear her trusting in her good old body, her deep knowing, her intuition, her listening to her growing baby as she offers her thoughts back to Mary about her experience of the baby and of God in her life. And we get to hear this while her husband, Zechariah the priest, is actually unable to speak. He's been silenced by God. Read Luke chapter 1 for the full details of this. There is a deep and delicious irony going on in this text here that while we get to hear Elizabeth, the religious leader, the priest, the elite male, her husband is silenced by God. And instead we hear the voice of this faithful older woman. 
This woman who has already lived a life being maligned for being a woman in her society, who has grieved not being able to have babies, and then who on top of any personal grief has lived in a culture which shames women if they're not able to have children. Patriarchal culture makes it clear that one of the only ways in which women can redeem themselves from the shame of being women is to bear children and particularly male children and she has not been able to do this. In Luke chapter 1 she describes herself as being disgraced among the people. This has been her life, the disgraced one, the discarded one. This older woman is given a central place in this text and given voice while her husband, the priest, is made silent by God. Can you hear the irony? Can you hear the subversion? And do you know what's more? This has struck me so powerfully this week. In Luke's Gospel, apart from Mary herself, it is Elizabeth who is the first person to recognize who Jesus is and make it known to others. Jesus is still in the womb and Elizabeth recognizes who this is, the Holy One. These stories of Elizabeth and Mary are stories of revolution, friends of the overturning of patriarchal expectations about who counts, about who is important, about whose voice should be heard, about whose side God is on, and about how divine power is embodied. And we even get to hear that Mary and Elizabeth support one another through those tender and precious and precarious months of growing babies. While I imagine they are both mocked by those around them, one for being too old for babies, one for being too young for babies, God draws them together so they do not have to face this challenge and derision on their own. What wisdom here for us. When God calls us into hard things, God calls us to also have companions for that journey. And after hearing about this time that Elizabeth and Mary share together, this intimate, tender time, then we get to overhear Mary's song. And it draws heavily from Hannah's song from the First Testament, the Old Testament. Hannah sings a song very similar to this after finally being able to conceive her baby Samuel. After also experiencing years of derision and hatred heaped upon her by family members and society and the religious elite. Mary's song, like Hannah's song before her, is a song of revolution, a proclamation that God is not where the powerful say God is. God is not the pet of the privileged. God does not favor the wealthy elite, the men of status and power. God does not support the status quo when the status quo unbelievably favors one group of people over another. Instead, We hear in Mary's proclamation that God's heart is with the marginalized, the hungry, those considered to be nobodies and worthless. God does not support the systems of the proud and the greedy and the powerful and the wealthy, no matter how much they might take God's name in vain. Instead, as Mary proclaims, the desire of God, the one who cannot be controlled, 
is that the hungry be fed and the powerful be brought down and that the proud be scattered. And God chooses to work with those considered the least in the birthing of this radical kingdom, this upside down kingdom. And guess what, friends? When Jesus is born and grows and enters into public ministry, this is exactly how Jesus embodies divine power, working with the least, befriending, including, challenging the rich and powerful, including the religious elite, challenging all those who abuse their power, binding up the brokenhearted and healing the sick, seeking out the lost and feeding the hungry. And all the while saying, follow me, join in this kingdom way. The kingdom is among you. Join in with this desire of God. Jesus teaches and embodies in living, dying and rising that love, radical compassion is who and how God is. And here, at the very beginning of the story of Jesus in Luke's Gospel, while the religious elite are silenced, this truth is sung out by Mary on the edges. The incredible artwork on the website this week proclaims this song of Mary so powerfully. I'd like to thank Ben Wildflower for including it, that I could include it today because it speaks of the song, of the words that Mary sings and proclaims, her theology. This Sunday, with the Advent theme of love, it could be so easy to slip into the tinsel, saccharine images of love and stay with the cutesy images of a timid Mary and a pretty stable and a really meek Jesus. Oh, my word. It could be so easy to continue to confuse love, the call to love, with politeness or nicety or not rocking the boat. Oh, my word. If ever we get tempted, we need to go back and really listen to the song that Mary proclaims about what God is about scattering the proud, bringing down the powerful, feeding the hungry. The love that we are called into takes risks. Just as Mary and Elizabeth take risks as they collaborate with God. The love of God that we discover in Jesus calls us to the edges, calls us to name the truth, calls us into the radical work of compassion and justice, even when this brings hostility. South African-American philosopher Cornel West says so profoundly, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. Never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. So this is what we're called into, friends. We can put the tinsel down. If you want to put up a little nativity scene, that's fine, but don't get caught in the prettiness. Because Mary is a bold theologian speaking the truth about who and how God is revealed to be, both in the prophets of the First Testament of sacred Jewish texts and as fully disclosed in person in Jesus. 
Our God is about unsettling the proud, filling the hungry, bringing good things and good news to those who are brokenhearted. This is what we're called to join in with this Christmas, the revolution of love. Amen. Here are some wondering questions to take into this lead up to Christmas. They're on the website as well if you want to go back to them and do some journaling or have some conversations. We have a discussion group as well at Richmond United you might want to connect with at some point that explore the wondering questions each week. Just email the office. Question one, how have the stories of Mary and Elizabeth been presented to you in church or arts or popular culture? And how have you reacted to these? I think it's really important for us to kind of be aware of what kind of messages we've received about Mary. And it's really, in sitting with the readings this week, it's become so clear to me how convenient it has been in empire-shaped cultures to make the focus almost obsessively about Mary's sexual activity rather than hear her words. Yet again, a woman being reduced to her body. My word. So just noticing how have you um, heard and taken in and absorbed the stories of Mary and Elizabeth? How have you reacted to these? Because you might want to do a little bit of deconstructing. Question two, how do you react to the idea that these accounts of Elizabeth and Mary disrupt patriarchy and privilege? As we discover God collaborating with those who are considered the least. So how do you react to what I've suggested today? That actually there's a whole lot more going on here. Finally, when you think about Jesus' call into love, and Jesus is so clear that this is the core thing, to love God with all of our being, to love our neighbours and to love ourselves and to love our enemies. When you think about Jesus' call into love as the call to collaborate with God in the work of justice, disrupting the proud and the greedy and working instead to feed the hungry, how are you challenged to live and love differently? Like What shifts for you? Where does the energy shift if you think about this kind of robust, justice-focused love? We're going to pray. All around the world, there are these patterns in the Christian tradition across denominations of having prayers of confession. And we call them prayers of letting go at Richmond because the word in the New Testament, the, the Second Testament, for forgive, a feo, it literally means let go or release. It would be the same word you would use for the release of a captive or someone who's been kidnapped. And this pattern isn't like this endless cycle guilt trip it's simply an invitation for all of us to recognize what is binding us up and this can shift friends it's not static as we change as our life circumstances change different things will be blocks for love whether it's love of others or love of ourselves or love of god and so this pattern is an invitation into honesty about what's going on for us And to create space where we might want to say, God, can you please help release me here? That God of liberation and justice. So we'll pray. Surprising God, you who refuse to be contained, you who call us into expansive, humble, hard work, love and justice.
the work of the kingdom. Forgive us when we seek to domesticate you. Turning your wild love into some pious enterprise, a call to be nice or polite or compliant. Forgive us when we hide from the shock of your revolution in Jesus. Where radical compassion and justice are held together. And the hungry are fed. And the arrogant are called to account. We bring our fears to you. We bring our truth to you. Please cut us free from all lies and all fear and all shame so that we can more fully live into your dreams of compassion and justice for others, for ourselves and for this sacred earth. Through Jesus, our liberator, we pray. Amen. Friend St. Paul says this, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self, not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So hear Christ's word of grace to every single one of us. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We're going to pray for our beautiful broken world and Again, we're going to enter into some more silence. And if the silence is um, weird for you and it's really hard to concentrate, your mind wanders, be gentle with yourself. That is really normal. Cultivating stillness is a practice and it takes time. It takes repetition. And if you find yourself distracted by something that's you know not about prayer, just notice it, name it, come back and In addition to that, if you find yourself really focused on one particular problem or issue or person, make that the prayer. Stay in that space and invite divine presence into that. You might want to even imagine sitting with Jesus and and handing that person or that situation over to Jesus. There'll be a refrain. We're going to begin with ourselves and then expand in circles out and out and out to pray for our whole global village And each pause between these movements will be using the refrain, Amen, may justice and compassion flow. Amen, may justice and compassion flow. So let's begin with ourselves. Liberating God, you who call us into your freedom and grace, we bring our prayers for our beautiful, broken global village to you. We pray for those who are enmeshed with our own lives and who are on our hearts this day. May there be healing and hope. 
May there be love and justice. justice and compassion flow. Tender God, we pray for our community, for all those who are at their wits end, for all those who feel like there is no love in their lives, for exhausted mental health workers, for people who are exhausted as they deal with their own mental health. For the isolated, for the tired teachers limping through to the end of the year, we bring those in our community who are on our hearts to you. May there be healing and hope. justice and compassion flow tender God we pray for our global village we pray for all leaders that the proud will be called to account that they will be given a stirring desire to support those with the least change heart We pray for all those advocating for justice and peace. Please strengthen them. We pray for all those who profit from violence, from the selling of arms, from unfair laws, from the selling of products that do so much harm. Call them to account. Strengthen our laws that those who do wrong will be stopped and exposed. We bring our prayers to you for our global village. May there be joy and healing and hope. May justice and compassion flow. And we pray together as Jesus inspired us. This version of the Lord's Prayer is by Jim Cotter. And as we pray of this realm of God, remember that the realm Jesus speaks about is so different from the realms of this world. It's where there is enough bread for where there is space for all the kingdoms, like a woman looking for the lost coin, this is the kind of kingdom that we are praying for, where the lost are sought out. So let's pray, life giver, pain bearer, love maker, source of all that is and that shall be, 
Father and Mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by all peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth with the bread that we need for today feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another forgive us and help us to forgive. In times of temptation and test strengthen us. From trials too great to endure spare us. From the grip of all that is evil free us for you reign in the glory of the power that is love now and forever. Amen. There's a final piece of music that's on the website. It's by the Porter's Gate and I know they've featured a little bit in lockdown in the music selection. It's a collection of artists and theologians, this band. And this song, Daughters of Zion, speaks so much from the space of Mary's song and Hannah's song before her about longing for justice to roll down, for the wicked to be called to account and for abuse to be healed. So I hope you enjoy. A final blessing for the journey. Friends, in Jesus we discover who and how God is in person and the proud are scattered and the hungry are fed and the trodden ones are lifted up. This is the revolution of divine love and we are called into it. So go emboldened by God for this work and may precious God, Holy One, Sacred Three, Holy Mystery, Holy Wisdom, Holy Spirit be grounding you, be saturating you and be guiding you. In the name of Christ. Amen.